Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. I'm there for the pack out. You just got to pack me in. Committed to the bow early on. Like, I love getting close and putting up. You cover a range of stuff on here, too, right? Like, we call this the uh, the THP World Headquarters. You know, my grandpa, Roy Weatherby. I came into, like, that golden little pocket where there was, like, four or five different bowls. Just... You're Canadian? We're doing yeah, a I... Canadian podcast? My name's Douglas Boat. I'm Robbie Denning. Royal Candy. All right, well, I guess we might as well get rolling here. Um, for all the listeners out there, uh, a little different tonight. Uh, Kevin, uh, well, he's in Kelowna, as everybody knows, and they got one hell of a fire going there. So, yeah, he's right up on the borderline of the evacuation orders right now. So him and his family are packing up, um, getting ready, and hopefully everybody hopefully everybody in Kelowna is, you know, as safe as can be and hope everybody finds a place to stay and uh, helps everybody out. Uh, saying that, um, we have Dylan Cadman tonight, uh, good buddy of mine for the past couple of years, I think maybe a year or two anyway, gotten to know Dylan. Um, so yeah, it's a pleasure to have you on Dylan. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh yeah. Um, you know, I, you haven't been on the show before, so why don't you, uh, give us a little rundown who you are, what you do and, uh, yeah, just let everybody know. Well, my name's Dylan, obviously. I live in northern Alberta here. I'm born and raised hunting. I'm an operator for Secure Energy. That's what I do for my day job. And then elk hunting is my passion. I do a little bit of work with Travis with Wapiti River Outdoors. And yeah, pretty much when I'm not working, I am helping out Travis and planning elk hunts. So I've been hunting since I was a little kid. My dad and my grandpa used to take me along moose hunting all the time and kind of grew up moose hunting. Then as I got older, doing my own thing, I got more into elk hunting. And then, yeah, here I am today. That's awesome. That's good. I wish I could honestly say myself that I grew up hunting, but I didn't, unfortunately. But uh, always love the outdoors, so always a little envious of all of you guys and girls who uh, who've been doing it your whole lives. But uh, yeah, oh, it's neat. Yeah, um, I was very fortunate for growing up in the little mountain town that I am. So yeah, and you're up in northern Alberta, right? Yeah. Have you always been up in that area? Yeah, I was born and raised here. Oh, okay, nice, nice. Uh, do you guys have any big plans? Any big hunts this year? Yeah, actually, today is the 18th of August. On the 23rd of August, I actually head up north to meet up with uh, Travis and our group up there. And we're actually hosting the Elk Bros. Oh, nice. Six of them coming up from New Mexico. They'll be here on the 24th, and we'll be hitting the Elk Woods on the 25th. Oh, man. a week and a half, so. Elk Bros, those guys are a pretty big deal. That's gonna be yeah. uh that's gonna be a lot of fun for you guys going up there. Oh, we're our whole group is super excited. There's six of us and we're hosting the six of them. And yeah, we're all super excited. It's gonna be a great time. I can't oh, wait. That's pretty cool. Is it something where uh, you think maybe you guys will get to go down there with them at some point after this hunt or just 
play it by ear? At some point, possibly, but I think at this point we're just kind of playing it by ear. Right. Uh, it's a it's a big trip too. I know for the guys coming up here, it's a it's a big trip for lots of them. It's a lifelong dream for them to come up here to hunt. So fortunately, fortunately for them, kind of met each other at the right time and everything kind of worked out and they were able to come up and hopefully one day we can all go down there. Yeah, no doubt. They're, they're spread out fairly good down there, aren't they? Like they're, they're way down in the southern, southern yeah, states, right? I believe some are in New Mexico and some are in Texas, I think. Don't okay. quote me on that, but. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds pretty, uh, pretty familiar there. I think that's correct. Um, I guess a couple questions for you. Um, when we start getting into elk hunting, you know, we've been, we've been sending photos and stuff back and forth over the past month or so and kind of chit chatting, um, you know, about where you're going and kind of what you're doing. Do you have any, uh, any strategies or anything when you're trying to, you know, I, I know everybody's always looking for, for a new location or anything like that. Is there, do you have anything in particular that you do when you're trying to obviously scout your, your areas that you always hunt, but uh, when you're looking into new areas and stuff like that? Well, for myself, uh, around home here, we're in a six point zone. So obviously we need to find bigger, more mature bulls with the six points. So for that, I put lots of my cameras on licks, natural licks and everything, uh, spread them out throughout the trails and food sources. And around here, I'm looking for the bigger bulls. But when I go up north with Travis, we set lots of ours, again, on licks and trails and everything. But we're actually looking for cows up there because we're up there is all three-point zone. So we're looking for any bull up there. So pretty much just like deer, moose, everything, you find the girls, you're going to find the boys. Yeah, well, that so makes a lot of sense. For myself, it all depends area. Like I said, up here, I look for the bigger bulls. Just because, in all honesty, I don't want to waste my time going into a spot if there's not a legal bull in there. Yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, are you focused in, like, I know Kevin and I have talked about, I always hear lots about south-facing slopes and stuff like that. Where we are down here, generally beginning of the hunting season, it's super hot. And we're actually looking at north-facing slopes and stuff like that. We just find it's cooler in there. Do you have, is there anything like that that you are concerned about up by where you are? Uh, lots of my areas I actually hunt, they're south facing. So I actually okay. look for the thick spruce trees. So you walk outside kind of in the poplars and that it's super hot and everything you get in a thick spruce patch yeah. and it cools right down. And lots of times in those thick spruce patches, especially in valleys, you're going to find lots of little creeks and little licks and everything like that. And I find down in there is where I find lots of the big bulls because they'll hide out in there too. Right. And they can get away from danger super quick in there. Well, that makes sense. That makes sense. Now, I guess if you're going into any of those areas, I know you hunt both those areas. So you got your six point zone and then you got your three point zone. Um, do you go, when you finally head up into those areas for your first, I don't know, let's say your first week or two, uh do you have any difference in in how you call you know like if you're if you're kind of targeting those bigger bulls do you find you're working them a little different versus when you go up to your three point zone like how, how do you approach kind of calling beginning of the season definitely so so off the start of the season i'm always in a three point zone off the start of the season just the way the rut works up here i find the bulls start rutting more in the three-point zone before they do in the six-point zone where I hunt. So okay. off the start of the year, we'll go in lots. We'll toss out a couple cow calls here and there, just one or two, and then just kind of let it soak in. And if we don't hear anything after five, ten minutes, we'll toss out a couple light chuckles and maybe some low-note groans and just low-note bugles. Nothing crazy. No high note location bugles or anything like that. We don't really want to cast our sound way out because obviously that attracts other hunters and predators and everything, right? So we do lots of low note stuff. 
And we find the bulls are very, when they answer, most of the time they're very quiet. And then we end up just kind of playing it as a couple cows with maybe a advertising bull kind of showing that, hey, I got a couple girls around here. One might be coming in. The bull that we're talking to, he doesn't know that, right? He just thinks, hey, that bull over there has got a couple cows. Sounds like the bull's getting a little bit excited. And he's just going to kind of come in. Some They usually do low note stuff and just kind of search you out. Gotcha. And then at that point, we just kind of keep, keep doing our thing. And the shooter gets set up and the bull just kind of come in and just do some really low note kind of bugles, just kind of... And that's all he really does. And then they kind of come right into the hunter. And as a, as a caller, you're kind of moving back and forth, pulling that bull, whatever direction you need to, to bring him past the shooter. Yeah, that makes sense. So you guys are putting the shooter. How far up are you putting that shooter compared to the caller? Or is it just depending on the circumstances? Lots of time. It depends on circumstances. We typically are around 50 yards. Okay. Uh, so you guys can really- see each other. Yeah, well, not always. The bush oh. is really thick up there. Oh, okay. So lots of our shots, honestly, are 20 yards and under. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah there's it's... there's been times I've set up and it's like a 10-yard opening. Like you're right on top of where the bull's going to come out. Yeah, sounds very familiar to us as well. Yeah, sounds about the same. So when, when you're doing your low your low note stuff, like your grunts and your your chuckles, what, what exactly... Like for, for people who don't know, what, what are you saying as an elk? Like in the elk language, is it anything in particular or like what, what kind of, are you putting much emotion into it or like what, uh, a little deal? bit of emotion? I'm more or less talking to the girls, painting that picture that I have a couple cows and I'm talking to the girls kind of showing off for them, but I want to keep it quiet so that I'm not advertising to the bigger bulls in the area that I have cows. They can obviously hear me. Yeah because their hearing is unbelievable, but I'm trying to keep it quiet because I don't want them to know in their mind. So I'm doing lots of like just low note, kind of searching out the cows almost, kind of chasing them around a bit, raking, showing off to the girls. And that just paints a picture in the bull's mind that, hey, this guy over here is showing off to these girls. There might be one coming in the heat soon. Because I mean, if you pay attention to when the cows cows have their calves there's lots of calves that come early and lots of those cows are bred mid to late august interesting yeah i and i have noticed that myself down here where you know the first a lot of times you know september 1st 2nd we can call in a lot of younger bulls i've definitely had big bulls in the past um with big herds and stuff like that and I have noticed that myself now that you mention it, that uh, usually we can get, get one going or we can hear some ruckus in the, you know, in the twilight hours, whether it's at night or early, early in the morning. And that's what we've kind of wondered is if there's been an early cow in there. Definitely notice that around September 8th or 9th around here. Um, It's definitely not full blown rut down here, but there's definitely some screaming matches happening periodically. And yeah, that was, that was my deal two years ago. September 8th yeah. or 9th and just one blew up just out of the sudden be like well I wasn't expecting that yeah and we noticed that a lot around here too like right around the same timing is when the bulls really get going good uh the earliest honestly I've ever gotten a screaming match with a bull is when we were going into camp on August 24th and we just stopped at a spot just to kind of have a break on the quads a little bit and Thought, what the heck? Why not toss out a bugle? And instantly, a bull started screaming back at us and lip balling and everything. We were blown away. Wow, that's got to yeah. get the heart pumping to start off an elk count. That's for sure. Oh yeah, he came, like we got to see him. He came right in, and he was a big five by five. And we were in a three point zone, and that that definitely got the heart going. We're like, oh yeah, this is going to be a good year, and it was. It was a good year. Oh, that's good to hear. Awesome. Um. You know, I know we've, we've talked a lot on a lot of people talk on different podcasts and stuff like that. Um, and your basic calling sequences and all, you know, those sort of scenarios you hear them all the time. I want to get your 
want to get your thoughts on a few things that I know we've all kind of experienced sometimes a lot of times for the bad or not knowing what's going on. Um, just some different scenarios that uh, we run into, you know, we've all, anybody who's elk hunted before has definitely heard the mountainside clearing, you know, cow bark or whatever, where they're just, they're gone. You've spooked them. They take everything. They, you know, it sounds like a freight train heading through the mountains. Um, but I know we've chatted in the past about, uh, about a nervous grunt and a lot of people I know actually don't know what a nervous grunt is. Um, do you want to explain to us that, you know, kind of the difference between a bark and a nervous grunt and, you know, kind of a, what, what, what you're kind of obviously with a, with a full on bark and, you know, mountainside clearing, you're kind of done for the day, but what, what kind of stuff, what do you, what do you do if you do hear this nervous grunt or once you explain what it is? And how do you react to it? So I'll start with the bark just because that's the first one you touched on. Uh, I have been in the situation before, like everybody has a cow or bull bark like crazy, usually the cows. And it's just more, they sense something's up and the lead cow, she always knows what's going on. They're super smart. There's a reason why they're the lead cow. Uh, I've been in situations before where she'll bark and I just bark right back at her and then do a couple chuckles just to try and calm her down a little bit. And it's with a bark when they're on high, high alert, it's kind of 50 50 if it's going to work or not. I typically try and bark right back at them to say, like, hey, I'm another elk because really what else is going to bark at them? Yeah. And to calm them down. And that's where the chuckles come in just to kind of calm them down, like, hey, it's okay. I'm not a threat. And I've had it work good before, but I've also had it to where there's nothing you're doing to change that cow's mind. And she just kind of takes the herd and takes off. Uh, the nervous grunt, that is one of my favorite tools to use. So a nervous grunt is a demanding call saying, show yourself. I know you're right there, but show yourself. So if you have a bull that's coming in and maybe he's just sticking his head into the doorway and you want him to walk in, give him a quick little nervous grunt. He'll typically just walk right in because you're telling him to show, show himself. You know, he's right there, but you want to see him. And I've had it where they walk right out, right into the shooting lane. And there you go. There's a bullet or an arrow on its way. Well, that's good. So it just kind of calms them down. Like, yeah. If, if we were to put it into, I guess, human context or whatever, would it be, would it be safe to say that it would be like somebody, if you're sitting in your house with your family, maybe up in your bedroom, getting ready for night and all of a sudden you hear the door open up. So, you know, somebody's coming in and you're like, Hey, who's there? And it's one of your kids or whatever. And it's like, it's just me, dad, or it's just me, mom. And like, oh, okay. Yeah, it's kind of like exactly. similar thing. Like you can't see them, but you can hear them, but you know, somebody's there but you just want some confirmations. Like, is it sort of that kind of situation? Yeah, pretty much. It's like, like you said, you're sitting on, you're sitting there, your door opens and you're like, Hey, who is that? And then it's your daughter or son or whatever. And it's like, Oh, it's just me, dad. Oh, okay. Okay. And you, like, you hear the door open, you're on high alert. You're like, what's going on here? And then they say, Oh, it's just me, dad. I, I'm just coming to get a glass of water or whatever. Oh, okay. That's cool. And it's pretty much the same thing. They're just, they don't know what you are because obviously we're always dressed up in camo. We're typically blended in pretty good. They know something's there. Sometimes they catch your wind and they're like, hey, what's that? That's a smell that I'm not used to. And then they they don't see you, but they can smell you. And they'll give out the, the bark. And then you just, lots of guys, they'll just cow call right back to it. But I've found in my experience barking back at it and then do like the couple chuckles. Cause I'm big on bull bull sounds, right? Like I yeah. don't typically use lots of cow sounds except for a little bit here and there and in, in mixing my sequences, but I don't typically go in just straight cow sounds. So I've had it where I've tested it out. There's an area around here you can hike into in the spring when the herds all meet up and they have their calves in a big, big flat. 
And it's actually really cool to see because we've seen cows bugle and get their whole herd to listen and follow them. We've heard cows barking and everything. And I sat down in a clump of trees and had a bunch of cows around me and one barked and I just had a reed, no tube, obviously. Just kind of had a reed in my hunting pants from this year before. And I just tossed it in quick and did a little bark and they kind of calmed right down. Really? Yeah. Let's be, I've, I wish I could get into bigger herds like that. Like I know a lot of times in this area here, they do come down into the wetlands, but usually by the time they're down in the wetlands here wintering, they're pretty gun shy. Um, but I think that'd be a pretty neat experience to be able to squeeze into them like a big herd and actually watch them try to learn the language and watch how they're, you know, the sounds they're making, the reactions, how they're, how they're acting toward, you know, the bulls, the cows, like you say, making their different sounds. Oh, it was so cool. It was an experience that I try to go see every spring. The first time I've always heard about all the herds meeting down there and everything, but I've never actually experienced it until 2019. We backpacked way in there to do actually a spring bear hunt. And we ended up sitting there for four days, just watching the herds and just watching how they act with each other and listening to them and we forgot all about bear hunting <laughs> and oh, we just, man. we sat there and there's three of us and we just kind of spread out throughout the whole meadow and we'd have elk walking right beside us and everything. And then, yeah, it was an experience I'll never forget. So we talking like a couple hundred or we talk, talking a couple thousand? Yeah, uh, a couple hundred. Yeah. That's a lot of elk. Yeah. That's it was, cool. it was unreal. I actually got to see a, grizzly come running through the trees and take down a calf out that trip too no kidding yeah trying my hardest to get my video camera out to catch it but i didn't get it in time oh man that's not something you see every day that's for sure you know what happens but you don't see it yeah exactly and that's honestly why we went there bear hunting because i've always heard of them down there and i'm like well what better place to find bears than where cows are calving yeah, it's All funny how can go around. Th- those predators are very smart. Like you know, those you know, sows and everything are teaching their cubs. You know, this is where we go this time of year. Obviously, for the calves and stuff like that. Like they're just kind of one of those menus that's passed down. So yeah. cooking, it's the cooking book that's passed down from generation to generation. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess, I guess going off of that, just with you were talking about how thick it is up there. And uh, some of the noises you're making, do you, obviously wind is probably our most important thing that we always have to watch out for. How, how do you approach elk when you're in those tight areas? Are you making noise? Are you not? And I'm not talking just with your calls. I'm talking with your feet and stuff like that. Are you worried about, you know, branches or like, how, how do you, when you're walking through that thick stuff, how are you uh, approaching them? So typically we'll, We'll kind of play it off as like last year. So last year we did lots of team calling. We'd always have two callers and two shooters. And we're always on game trails too, right? So we'd walk up the caller, the one caller with the shooters, and then they kind of split off on each game trail and go up a little bit. And there's obviously super quiet walking on the game trail, so they can sneak in the position really good. And then we just the front caller will typically be a cow and he'll just do lots of cow sounds, calf sounds, walking through absolutely everything, making noise like cows and calves do. Yeah. And then the bull will be the guy bull calling will be back a little bit more and he'll be advertising, raking, pulling grass, everything. Like we did one sequence last year and pulled in a big bull into Travis and he just, he couldn't get a shot but I was literally walking around being a cow and thrashing bush, just like pretending to be a calf running through, running through deadfall, running through branches, everything. And the, the bull actually went nuts. I've never done anything like that before. And it was one of those ones where the bull was kind of just staying in one spot. So we're like, okay, we need to paint the picture to, get them excited to get them out here and i just started running around and 
<laughs> it's not something you hear every day. No, and <laughs> that's where our joke all all the time that I just like to frolic around in the bush like a little calf elk. And you know what? As silly as it sounds, it works. Like that bull when I started doing that, like I wasn't like running around and making a ton of noise, but like kind of walking around, then I kind of run a couple steps like a calf normally would yeah. or like a cow normally would and then uh it just caught that bull's attention like oh what's going on over there and then our other buddy was back behind doing bull sounds and he started advertising the more noise i made the more excited he got and it pulled that bull right in and it was it was awesome. After that, we did a lot of team calling. And we had another one where Travis and his wife, Carrie Ann, did it. And our friend Jason and I were set up on each side of this meadow. And we had this bull going. We knew he had cows. But Carrie Ann just started cow calling and calf calling behind. And then Travis started bull calling and just started raking trees like crazy and snapping branches and all that. And I actually almost got ran over by a couple cows. They came in three yards. They came running into the meadow with that bull chasing them. And I seen them come into the meadow and I I went to full draw. And that bull just kind of stayed on the other side of the trees. He never did give me a shot at all. Oh, man. And cows came running into that meadow. And I was sitting there. I wish I had it on video. I was sitting there and looking over my shoulder and looking in this cow's eyes. Really? It it was unreal. It was uh, one of the best moments I've ever had elk hunting. I was at full draw waiting for this bull to step out at 30 yards. And then he did like, he did like a roundup bugle. And the cows just kind of turned around and ran away. And he was he didn't even like step out or nothing for a shot. He just bolted after the cows. Really? Oh yeah. It was. Oh man. So I guess those, I guess the initial cows that were coming in there, they just wanted to check out who the new stud in the area was like, yeah. Is that kind of the picture you were trying to paint? Like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not showing off to you ladies. I'm showing off to my own ladies. And they were like, Hey, what's over there. And off the start, like we had, so Jason, my, Carrie Ann and myself, we did a cow party. Jason, Carrie Ann, and myself, we just started going nuts with cow calf sounds and uh, just kind of pulling, pulling grass, swooshing around. I had, we obviously had bugle tubes in our hands. So we were just kind of swooshing them around in the grass, making it sound like cows and calves walking around, moving around. And then once the elk started coming, we, uh, we did, Jason and I just shut up. Carrie Ann moved back and she just kind of kept going with everything. And then at that point, Travis would just advertise like a bull and then he casts off a couple cow cast sounds in between just to kind of make, make up for Jason and I not calling. Yeah. And yeah, the, the cows just ran right into us and it was, it was unreal. That's the first time I've ever had an elk that close. Really? Yeah. So do you ever find when uh, when you're kind of creating a cow party like that, if things don't work out or, I don't know, let's say a bull comes in and uh, it takes off on you, do you ever throw out, you know, kind of, a, I guess, a, a lost cow or sorry, lost calf or anything like that? Like just to throw it out. I'm just, all I'm picturing is what you're setting up is you got this little mini herd happening. They're all playing around. They're all doing their thing. You get some action and all of a sudden something bad happens <laughs> so we we've tried that on a different setup okay and they didn't co- quite come in that close but like the herd came down to us and then they just kind of circled around and that and we've had the call the bull caller kind of back up more as if he's taking his cows away and then i've sat up and i've done like a lost calf yeah and we we haven't had it really work i don't okay. see why it wouldn't like it, it definitely would 
but uh, we personally haven't had it work because that bull, when he took off with his cows, he was obviously focused on that those cows. There must have been one like right almost in the heat. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, so if you're, so once you've done like setups like that, or let's say you've gone into, you know, like you've, you've done your cow party or that kind of situation that hasn't worked and you've moved on to, to new, a new area, pushed farther into the bush, whatever the, whatever the situation may be. Um, I'm curious now I've definitely experienced this before a, a lot in the beginning of my elk hunting career, if you want to call it that. Um, or you get an elk bugling back, like finally you locate another one. You've done your thing, move on. You actually do locate another one. And I, I've definitely had it happen before where a bull is stuck in one spot. And I've had it in two situations. One, I knew the bull had cows. Two, I never did lay eyes. I just heard it. Um, it would never come in. It would never run away. It was always like it was frozen in one spot. Um, what kind of situation am I getting myself into there? Like what, what's, what's that bull saying? Cause he's responding to me, but he's not coming in and he's not running away. So with those kind of situations, those are honestly my favorite. Uh, you know, he has cows say he's down in a Valley, right? Wind's obviously in your favor. Cause you wouldn't be going in. Uh, you know, he has cows. He's answering to you, but he's not kind of going away so at that point i'll try to get say i hear him at 100 yards i'll try to get about say 60 80 to 60 yards and i'll just start advertising like i'm i don't even care what the bull's doing i'm talking to his girls i want to try to call his girls to me and he's gonna end up getting pissed off and he's gonna be like hey no these are my girls you leave them alone i'm gonna come push you out of there and nine times out of ten, that bull ends up coming up to you and he he gets pissed off. Yeah. So on those, I like to kind of slow play them, right? It's like a diesel engine. You start it up first thing in the morning. You don't want to just hop in it and give her. Yeah. You just kind of say he has some cows. They're bedded down in this creek valley midday. And he's just kind of giving like a lazy bugle, like, hey, I'm down here, but I'm not really interested. So you just kind of slowly, slowly work them. If you do, I'll just say do a locate bugle on top of a valley and you hear him down in the bottom, but he doesn't answer for five minutes. So I'll wait another five minutes before I even answer him back. And then I'll answer him back. And then maybe next time it's four minutes. And then, so then I wait another four minutes and then I answer them back. And every single time you do this, you're going to notice that the bugles get a little bit shorter and shorter every time. And then you just, there's sometimes, you know, there's cows with them. There's sometimes you, you don't know. You might assume that he has cows kind of depending on how the rut is. Right. Yeah. And that's when I'll try to sneak down. And then I just kind of start advertising. Like, I I don't care too much what the bull says at that point. I just advertise, like, hey, ladies, come check me out. Like, raking, kind of showing off. And that bull's just going to, he's going to get shorter and shorter and shorter with you until next thing you know, he might lip ball you. He might just come in screaming, like, get the heck out of here. So kind of when he's he's just sitting there laying down in those long you know, bugles that don't care about or anything. He's just not really worried is kind of what you're getting at. And then yeah. as it, it's, I guess, so you're kind of saying it's almost like a person too. keep annoying them, keep annoying them. And eventually you just get pissed off and you're, you're short with somebody. Exactly. That's kind of what it, oh, okay. Kind of like say you and the old lady are at the bar the one night and you're off playing pool and there's this guy who wants to go dance with your old lady. And like, nah, like just leave her alone. And then he keeps bugging her and bugging her and bugging her. And then you're like, dude, leave her alone. And he just won't let up. And finally, you're going to be like, okay, get the heck out of here. Leave her alone. She's mine. 
And then, yeah, you're going to go up there and you're going to try to get him away, right? Yeah. Kind of the same same thing with Elk. They have their girls. They don't want anybody else coming around them. And it's kind of the same with the cows too, right? Like, they have their bull. And you might be, you'll probably be able to pull a couple away. But that lead cow is like, hey. I don't like you. Like if you're, if you go in with another cow sound, she's going to look at, Hey, I don't want you coming in and stealing my boyfriend. All right. And she might take the bull. She might just leave. And that's lots of those situations where you hear the bull getting further away. It's not the bull leaving. It's the cow taking the bull away. And he's not leaving the cows. Exactly. And that's where lots of times where I've hear it lots where guys say, man, I got in on this bull with, I had him going and then he just left. And I always ask him like, well, how are you calling? Well, I was cow calling. It's like, well, it wasn't the bull leaving you. It was the cow leaving you. And the bull was following his cow because he knows he has a cow that's getting close right there. He's not going to leave her. Why would he leave her to come check you out? Makes sense. And that's where, that's why in those situations, I like to be a bull because as a bull, you're not going to scare those cows away. You're going to get their interest. And then you're going to piss the bull off. And then that's when the bull's going to come at you and be like, hey, <laughs> these girls are mine. Get out of here. Okay. So saying that, are you playing, you know, like small, medium bull? Are you playing big bull? Or is it totally dependent on his bugles and kind of his attitude? Or what's, what's your play there? I just... Honestly, I go in and I sound as big as I can because, I mean, for us, our lungs are tiny compared to theirs. We're never going to meet their volume. Yeah. But I just, I go in like, so for bugling wise, when I do that, I use the Lone Bull or the Reaper lots. Those are my go-to bugling reads. Love And those are the ones, those are the ones where I can get the deepest sounding bugles out of. And I do lots of growls and like super high pitch sometimes if it needs to be and lots of chuckles because that's an invite right you're trying to tell those girls like hey come over here and then lots of raking and yeah i'll like when i rake i'll grab a dead tree (laughs) i have a on and i do an advertising sequence and i've had lots of guys laugh and say, could you have picked a smaller tree? And I'm like, well, I just kind of grabbed the first one I seen, and it was probably <laughs> it was probably like an eight foot. <laughs> I just start beating the crap out of a tree, and it breaks down in size and that. But I definitely. just it gets definitely. the sound out, right? Definitely not worried about making some noise. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> Oh man. Yeah, no, that's good. I've, I've, I've done some similar stuff there. Uh, for me, it kind of depends on like where, where I am. It's where some of the places I had super high pressure. So in those cases, I kind of stick to the grunts and groans and like you were saying before, the lower, lower volume kind of cadence and stuff like that. I find everybody else is bugling. So I'm trying not to bugle. I don't want to sound like everybody else. I just myself, I just don't hear a lot of bugling as much anymore. If I go farther into the back country where there's less people, I tend to run into it more. I just find they react differently in some of the other areas that I'm at that get hammered all the time. You know, they're driving by, people reach out their window with their bugle to rip a bugle. They don't hear anything right away, they drive off. Like they're they're kind of educating them all the time, in my in my in my opinion, anyway. Yeah, exactly. And I've noticed that a lot around here too, where you go bugling and you try and do a location bugle and you don't get an answer. Uh, that's where we kind of gravitated more towards the low note bugles because you're reaching out a decent distance. They can hear you from a decent distance away, but nothing else is really going to know that you're in there, right? Yeah. You're not going to attract enough. other humans. You're not going to attract predators and they feel a little more comfortable. So that's where we started using the low note and we found it 
the amount of elk that we've called in with that is unreal. Yeah, and I've I've kind of noticed the same thing down by where I am here. You know, I don't have as much experience as as you guys do up there, um, but I am starting to try some of those very similar tactics, and so far, it's it's definitely worked. I haven't put one on the ground, but having the elk come into me, as far as I'm concerned, is another success in learning when and where to use those calls, and you know, eventually it all comes together. But uh, being able to pull those bulls bulls and cows into you when there's, you know, there's lots of other hunters around, but they're gravitating to you and take it as a win, irregardless whether you put something on the ground or not, you've just superseded everybody else. So you've done something really good. hundred percent. And I mean, every single call in we, we make, whether we see the bull or we get them in close and maybe we don't see the bull, but we know he's right there. We consider that a win. Cause I mean, think of everything you're learning just from that one bull. And like you said, if you know there's lots of hunters around, it's a high-pressured area, but you still are able to call that bull in, that's a win right there because that's a high-pressure hunted bull and you're still able to outsmart them. Maybe you don't get a shot or whatever, but it's like for us, we don't care if we get a shot or not. Yeah, that's why we go out. We go out to try and shoot an elk, but sometimes the experience is what makes the hunt. And I know it's something everybody says and everything, and it's there's lots of controversy around that saying, but it's so true. Like, last year, Travis and I went into a spot. We had these bulls going. It was very slow going with them. And we just kind of worked in, worked in, and then Travis went to send me up to be a shooter. I'm like, no, my bow's on my backpack. You have your bow ready to go. You get up there. And that was just more or less me wanting to get him into into position to get him, get him a shot. Yeah. And we worked that bull for oh, quite a while. And I ended up pulling a calf down right in front of Travis, walked right down there. <laughs> and she came out and hung out with me for about half an hour at anywhere from 15 to 30 yards. And I just kind of, I laid like pretty much laid down in the grass at that point. So I didn't get seen. I was just making little calf sounds and everything. And that bull was going nuts. That bull ended up going to 20 yards from Travis. And it was a big five by five, but he, he was frontal and the calf kind of worked itself away. And we ended up going in and we never got one, but we called him in and just that experience, like having the calf that close to me hanging out for that long. And then having that big five by five come into Travis, like, yeah, that was a win right there. You pulled that bull away from the herd, pulled that calf right in on my lap, pretty much. And that was another experience I'll never forget. Well, I think they say there's only 10% of all elk hunters ever hunt or ever harvest their, you know, their cut their tags every year or that. I don't know if it's every year or, you know, a year. Um, but you always know there's people who are consistently harvesting elk. And I think it's those people who are really connecting the dots and experiences like what you're talking about. Um, you know, it doesn't always have to be putting them on the ground. It's pulling them in. It's understanding when and where. And then all of a sudden you start figuring out their language. And all of a sudden you're taking those, even if you can't get out a ton, you know, obviously more time out in the bush increases your chances. Um, but if you increase your, your chances by not making, you know, those crucial mistakes from, you know, the past and you've learned from them, you know, what not to do (laughs) when you get in those situations, I think that's when you start hearing of, you know, those same people, like, how do you do this every single year? I hike just as many miles. I, you know, I'm, I'm just as good as of a caller as you, but I think a lot of it in, in my opinion, I could be wrong anybody can correct me but it's starting to understand the cadence of their language when to move in when to back out when to be aggressive when to be you know quiet and sneaky and yeah i think those are the guys that the guys and girls who are very you know consistent year to year with you know having an excellent chance of of, you know putting something in the freezer oh definitely and i mean like 
I know for myself, like a huge turning point in my elk hunting career was actually when I met Travis and he started kind of teaching me how to communicate with him. Like, Hey, you know what? You're, you're doing a pretty good job, but when a bull does this, he's asking you to do this, or he's saying this. And when I started really learning, like, I've listened to lots of podcasts like the Elk Nut, the Elk Bros, Travis, and everywhere is pretty, well, everywhere is different for their elk, right? The elk down in the States, there's obviously a ton of them. We can't hunt our elk like they do down there. So we kind of have to take all that knowledge from them and fine tune it to our elk. And all elk are generally the same. Their language is the same. Their whole rut, the way they act, are lots of the same. It just all depends on your environment, I guess. Like down there, they have lots lots and lots of elk. So you can go down there and play the challenge game like you see lots on YouTube. And... I know like lots of guys say off, they don't want to play my game. I'll just find one that does. And they can walk bowl to bowl to bowl and just lip ball in there. And finally they're going to get one to play their game and they're going to come in us up here. We don't have that many elk. So, and our valleys are very, very steep. And if you blow an elk out of that area, you're done. You're, you might as well pack your stuff up and leave. Because you got to try and find another herd to hunt. And sometimes it's quite a ways before you find one. I know for me, where I hunt in my six-point zone, I have to be very, very conservative on how I do everything. Because if I push a bull out of that area, I might as well call it it quits for that day for sure. Because I got to travel a long ways to get to another spot where I know that there's going to be elk ready to play. And that's why... That's where I learned lots to kind of advertise, talk to the cows. Like, don't get super excited. Don't challenge that bull unless he's wanting to play that game. Yeah. And I I know you probably experienced the exact same thing. Yeah, it's very uh, similar when, over here. Yeah, like when I was younger, you see the YouTube stuff and you're like, oh, I'm going to go in, I'm going to lip ball in this valley and I'm going to get a bull going. You might, but if you push them out, you're you're searching for a while to get another one going. And I played that game. It didn't work out here for me. It might for other people, but uh, it didn't work for me. So then that's where, like, when I met Travis, he's like, no, 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 man. Like, your calling is good. Like, you need to do, like, everybody needs work on their calling, but your calling is at a good point, but you need to approach it this way yeah. and once i started doing that my call-ins are they skyrocketed that's awesome with now you know let's let's say you don't blow that bull out you know it's uh it's not that bad of a situation but let's say you know you got a little bit of contact with them you has got cows or no cows but you've had some you know you guys have had a little conversation let's say back and forth and then it just sounds like he's walking away, not running, not like spook, not like he's mountainside clearing, but just slowly walking away. Um, are you kind of giving up or what kind of play would you make if you, you know, let's say, you know, that's a six point just by chance. It's your six point in your six point zone. You know, like, are, what's, what are you thinking? If the wind, and let's also say the wind is in your favor. So this actually works perfect because this plays into how I got my bull last year. Oh, excellent. So last year I went into this spot. I got back from my sheep hunt and I had a trail camera in there and it ended up being a cell camera. I got a picture when I got back into service and there was a nice six point on the camera. I'm like, sweet. Well, I'm going to go in there and try and call him in. First evening I went in there. I worked down the valley a bit. I ended up calling him in. And I worked him and worked him and worked him. Got him to 30 yards. I didn't have a clean shot. And he, where I was 
it was fairly open bush and I was kind of tucked in front of a tree so he couldn't see me he knew he didn't know there was a threat there but he just kind of went down and like I came to full draw on him he stopped with his vitals behind a tree because I I obviously didn't expect him to come in right where he came in I thought he was going to come in a different area and he kind of took a u-turn and then went in there after and I didn't shoot him and at that point I just shut up I was like no I don't want to push this bull out so I just I went quiet he kind of searched around searched around didn't see what he was looking for and he just kind of went walked right back up to where he came from uh it's a that area is a very very small area so like I said before I'm very conservative when I go in there if it's not right, I back out. And that's what I did. I backed out. I ended up actually leaving, going on a different hunt for five days. Six days later, I went in there again, called the bull in at the exact same spot, but this time he had a cow, and I actually called the cow to me. And the cow came within 50 yards of me, and it was rifle season at this point. And he came screaming in, hooked around that cow, pushed her right back up the hill. And I'm like, what the heck? And I, I knew what bully was, but I wanted to get a count on him to be 100% sure. Because, well, six-point zone, right? You don't want to mess that up. No. So I was like, what the heck? So then I did – I actually – that's the only time I've ever done a lip ball roundup at, the, at that. And I ripped that one of those at him. And he came right back down, screaming his head off. And he stopped at 60 yards, turned his head perfect. I counted six, and there he was. Awesome. So that is a perfect example of if it's not right, if that bull's not doing exactly what you want him to do, or he might feel something's off, just back out. You're not going to pressure that bull. Yeah, you've had contact with him. You got him in close. You called him in. I considered that a success right there, although I didn't let an arrow fly. But I called him in. I seen him. And it was the bull I wanted to shoot. And it just, you know, instead of chasing and chasing and chasing that bull and possibly pushing him out of the area, I just, no, I let him go. And I know the person I was with, said you're absolutely crazy but i said well just you just wait like we're we're gonna see this bull again and sure enough we did and now he's in my freezer and on my wall that's awesome do you think you would have reacted any differently if it was you're way up north there but let's say it's a i call them front country elk down here Everybody in their kitten caboodle can run across them. They're down by, you know, they're crossing the highways to get into the wetlands down here. I mean, everybody can see them. Do you think you would have pressured them a little more knowing that everybody else is around or because of where you were, it was just the right call to let them simmer down and come back to them because there wasn't as much pressure up there? What do you Honestly, think? honestly, no. I don't okay. think I would have played them any other way. Uh We've hunted areas where there's been pipelines all around a little quarter section of a bush. And we've had bulls going in every single day in that bush. And there you can hear the guys bugling around you. And we just we just do our low note stuff. We keep it quiet and we've called in bulls every single time. Uh super thick in there. So we haven't got we never did get a shot on one, but we called them in every single time. And we went back to that same area for a week straight. And we heard the guys bugling on the on the pipeline all around us. And the bulls would not do a bugle to answer them. We would do our low note stuff to where the guys on the pipeline wouldn't be able to hear it. And the bulls actually did low note stuff right back to us. Really? And if the situation wasn't right, we just shut up, backed out, and left them. Let them be. Because then they don't feel pressured. They're like, oh, okay, well, he wasn't. He's just kind of hanging out over there. If they don't feel right, they're not going to come in. Uh, I don't care what anybody says. If the situation's not right and the bull's not ready, he's not going to come in, no yeah. matter what you do to him. Uh, you you got to play every bull differently. 
and you just have to read the situation as it comes up. It's, yeah. Uh, I, and I, I got to say for myself, sorry for cutting you off there. I'm, I'm trying to learn that too. And I've kind of learned that from you and Travis as well as, you know, some of the chats we've had and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Patience, patience does pay off. doesn't always pay off, but more often than not, it'll give you more opportunities than if yes. you rush it. It'll pay off in the long run. And I used to be the same. Like I never had patience. I, I was that guy that I get a bull going and I was running up there to try and get at him. And that's probably why it took me seven years to shoot my first elk. Oh. Uh, but then once, like once I started hunting with Travis and talking with Travis and he taught me the patience and I seen it happen. I was like, Holy crap. I've been doing this wrong the whole time. Roof is in the pudding. Oh, exactly. Like that time, that week when we hunted those bulls, when everybody was around was a huge, huge eye opener for me. And like, I still get it. I go out with guys and I like taking out newer hunters, trying to get them their first bull and everything. It's fun. I love calling, calling elk for, for people. Uh, Lots of time, honestly, I don't get to be shooter unless I'm by myself or with Travis. And other than that, I'm calling for everybody. And that's a big thing I try to teach everybody is patience is key. Yes, you want to get that bull. Like everybody wants to get their first bull or fill their freezer. But if you take your time and you play it properly, you may not get them that night or that morning, but you will call them in again. And last year is perfect proof of it with my bull. That's awesome. Yes, I'm hoping hoping eventually my luck uh, turn something up there and I'll have similar stories to, it to will. tell like you guys. And yeah, I'm, I'm at that patience point. I never actually care who care, who shoots our bull between my hunting partner and myself. We split everything 50, 50 anyway, when it comes to the, the big animals, um, called in a ton of bulls, ton of fives, lots and lots of fives. <laughs> the only yeah. six so far, we've had a few sixes come in over time, but obviously one's only hit the ground. Um, the rest just weren't good shots. Just yeah. hold off. It's not worth it. Um, so they will come in time and I'm looking forward to it, but, uh, yeah. exactly. And it's, yeah. that's what it's about. It's all about, I know everybody says it, but it's about the experience really. Cool. And that's how you learn. And people who haven't experienced it, I don't expect you to understand it until you're put in one of those positions where you have one of those bulls or a cow and a calf coming in within, 5, 10, 15, 20 yards of you, you can hear them breathing. It's yeah. something else. You, you, exactly. can't, you, you, you can't grasp it unless you have experienced it. Exactly. And that's just it. Like there's guys that are going to listen and they know, they know exactly what we're talking about and they, they'll be able to relate to everything that we say. And they're like, yeah, you know what? There was a couple of times where I pressured this bull maybe a little bit too much and I should have been a little bit more patient. Or they're going to be like, yeah, you know what? The, the patience is is key. And there's going to be new guys that were like what how we were. And they just want to get in there and shoot that bull. And then I'm hoping they listen and learn the patience. And you know what? It it takes time. Like for me, it was seven, seven, eight years before I shot my first bull. Yeah, I got frustrated at times. Like there was times I'm like, what the heck am I doing? Why am I wasting my time doing this? <laughs> yeah. But then when you finally do get that first bull down, it plays out exactly how you pictured it. You're like, yeah, I remember why why I like this. Or even if you yeah. just call in a bull and it works out perfect and maybe you're in a six-point zone, he's a big five-by-five five and you can't shoot him, but you call him in. Well, one, that's an experience you'll never forget. And two, you're going to learn so much from that call-in that guys are just going to – you you'll never forget what that bull does and how he reacts. That's right. You've done everything right. You've done everything 100% up to that point. That's why that bull is there right now. Exactly. Yeah. So you just – yeah, and even if you don't get him down, it's like, all right, we're going to take that experience. We're going to – everything that happened there, I'm going to take that to, to tomorrow – or to next season or whatever. And yeah, it's going to make things that much better. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, and that's how, that's how you get there. Like that's how Travis got to where he is now. Like his experience in the woods, like 
I learn something new every single year from him and we'll be out hunting and he'll do something new and I'll look back at him and like, what the heck? Where did that come from? <laughs> and he'll just he'll just laugh to himself and then we do our hunt and everything. And then I'll ask him like, where did you pull that out from? He's like, oh, well, there's this bull how many years ago that I had make this one sound. So I figured I'd try it again. And it's the situations you get into and like the little tricks that you can learn just from those experiences there. You'll never forget them. That's awesome. Yeah. I'd, I'd actually, I'd love to get you guys down together if possible. I know it's a long shot. You guys are all busy and everything. Um, be awesome to get you guys down to the, uh, the Bighorn 3d shoot that we have in, uh, just second weekend of July down here in radium and stuff. And yeah, it'd be awesome to talk to you guys and, you know, do some calling at night, the campfires going and a few soda pops in and yeah, and it'd course, be a lot of fun. Of course the trash talk that happens from the beginning to the end there too. <laughs> yeah. It'd be a lot of fun. I've actually, I was, I was wanting to come down this year, but it just, it worked out where I couldn't, but yeah. I know you've and, talked to me about it and it sounds like a, a, like a lot of fun. So yeah. Yeah. One of these years we'll make it down. Absolutely. Well, I see we have Kevin who has just joined us at the end here. Managed yeah. To a little late to the party boys. I didn't want to interrupt that conversation. It sounded like it was a good one. Oh yeah. It's a good one. You'll have to listen to it. Yeah, I will. Um, thanks for hopping on Dylan. and sorry for being a little late here, but, uh, as you know, we got uh, some pretty crazy events happening here in Kelowna. So, yeah, definitely, you got a lot on your plate. So, no worries. Thanks a lot for having me. It's yeah. Been, it's fun. Well, I'm not going to interrupt you guys. You guys keep going. I don't well, know how long you've been chatting for. We've been on for a while here. I was actually just about to uh, to shut her down for the night, but you just jumped cool. on. And uh, no, right. again, Dylan, it's uh, it's always a pleasure talking to you. You you guys really know your stuff and. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll definitely have uh, have you and Travis on again, and uh, yeah, hopefully one of these years we'll also get you down to the three D shoot and actually get to meet in person for once. Yeah, definitely. We'll have to do another one here after after elk season and talk about all our experiences and everything. Absolutely, yeah. no, it sounds good, man. We got lots of lots of plans this year for elk. We have, uh, like I said earlier, we got the elk bros hunt here kicking off in oh seven days that's awesome and then honestly brian and i have a wicked backpack hunt that we plan on going on chasing a giant giant bull is that if, bull, bull if moose us, right oh yeah bull moose no bull moose yeah bull, bull elk oh bull elk oh okay yeah. we uh i called him in last year for brian and he was just chasing his cows too hard we couldn't get him to stop he was quite a distance away and we nicknamed this bull Jasper just because you see the bulls in Jasper National Park. Yeah. And this looks like a bull from Jasper National Park. Wow. He's an absolute giant. And nice uh, big rosy. <laughs> well, yeah. He reminds me of big rosy, especially a couple of the pictures I got of him from early this spring, the size of him early this spring. It was, I've never seen an elk like him. Awesome. Well, I can't wait for the pictures and the stories. Yeah, I'll send you a, a trail cam picture here when we're done, but you'll have I'm keeping that one pretty quiet. This that, is that, the first time I've talked to him talked about him. So that, that one sinks ships, Pete. Well, I'm pretty sure that one's on Vancouver Island, right, Dylan? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's over on Vancouver better. Island. That's oh, what yeah. I thought. Yeah. all right man thank you very much for coming on and yeah we'll definitely get you guys back on um postseason mid-season i guess depending on how how everything goes down for you guys and uh yeah we'll try to match up some schedules here and get things going again yeah definitely well thanks a lot for having me on it was a it was a good time it was a lot of fun absolutely always learning something from you guys yeah definitely thanks Thanks, well good luck this year you guys thank you Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again, everyone, for tuning in to the Focus Hunting Podcast, coming at you as part of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective. I want to take a quick sec and make a huge shout-out and say thanks to the sponsors of this show, uh, starting with BC's premier archery shop, Hardcore Archery, located right here in Kelowna, British Columbia. 
um, AKU Boots. They've uh, they've been supporting the show for a while now. Uh, both Pete and I, we've been running these boots for well over a year. You know, hunting in BC, we face probably the harshest backcountry environment in the world. We've got deserts, Rocky Mountain, extreme coastlines, you name it. Uh, and these are the only boots that have lasted me more than one hunting season. So, you know, they're definitely worth the investment. You owe it to your feet to uh, use AKU Boots. Uh, use promo code FOCUS and get 15% off right. Uh, they're probably going to cringe because I always pronounce the name wrong, but uh, it is what it is. Onyx Maps, now available in Canada. Stay tuned, guys. We've partnered up with Onyx, and we're going to be getting you guys some more information on Onyx and their mapping system for Canada. Uh, for those of you in the U.S., you've already got access to it and most likely been using the app. Pete and I got early access to this app, and to be honest, it rocks. Um, but like I said, we're going to get you more information on that, and we're going to be able to get you guys a little bit of discount. Um, so lastly, if you guys could please leave a rating and review on whatever platform you're listening. We really appreciate the support. Love you guys. Until next time. Thanks. I'm Will Cooper, host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast. For even more content, be sure to watch the original films from HuntStand Presents on the Waypoint TV channel every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Visit waypointtv.com to learn more. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV.